Hello, this is Darren Steele, and welcome to another episode of the Living Out Podcast. And this is probably take four. I'm laughing at myself because I just can't get this straight. But then I'm not straight. (laughs) I'm a gay life coach who's an expert at helping men break out of the status quo and use their unique life experience to create the kind of impact in life that they can be proud of. I'm a huge supporter of queer voices, and I'm a founder and publisher of Think Queerly on Medium. You can find out all about who I am at darrensteel.com. So I want to talk about leadership in this episode. I've learned a lot over the years with respect to leadership, and I want to talk about leadership in a general sense and how we can be exceptional leaders and talk also within the framework of why either do some gay men shy away from being a leader or why do some gay men do the absolute opposite and work so hard to be the best leader to get to the top of their field and to become outstanding. So I think, you know, one of the many tests of leadership is seen by others when the leader has to make a difficult decision. Now, I guess we could say there's two types of leaders. There are the leaders you might see in business, and maybe they're much more like the CEO of a company. They're setting the direction. They are leading everybody below them to um, make whatever changes or, or put into play whatever ideas that they've come up with. And that's a kind of leadership that's driven by finances and capitalism. Then there are the humanitarian leaders. Let's just call it that. These are the people that are leading other people. So that could even be in a work environment. Somebody's a team leader for a project of five to six people. Well, there's the measure of productivity for the team leader and how well that individual is able to manage, challenge, support his or her team members so that they get the best results and they can work together cohesively, perhaps get things done more quickly than they would otherwise. And then there's leadership in the broadest sense of, you know, leading people, making a change, leading a community. And these are the kind of leaders that I think people follow. You know, they're looking for someone as a leader who's taking a stand, who's making a statement, who's trying to have an impact on the world or make the world a better place. And people will follow that person when that leader is showing a strong amount of empathy and then leadership in the sense sense of, here, look at what I'm doing and I'm holding myself accountable in how I approach my day-to-day life, how I speak to people, how I help direct situations, and how I care about the movement, let's say, that I'm creating. So I guess this kind of leadership is really born when other people look to you as the leader for guidance. They might want to follow you or mimic you or stand with you for what you believe in. And they'll call you a leader. But you might not call yourself that. 
Now, I'm reflecting on this for a couple of reasons, because uh, in the last little while, a couple of people have called me a leader, and I've been overwhelmed with gratitude. And someone wrote this to me in a comment on my publication, Think Queerly, and I, I literally broke down in cathartic tears, um, because I would never call myself a leader. And I think it's important that we don't let something like that go to our head. That can go down the round, uh, the road of hubris, where you think you're better than everyone else. And it, it, it's human nature, I think, when we're lifted up by others and we're put on a pedestal or we're seen as somehow the person with insight and direction, we have to catch ourselves and we have to be very careful. So when I read this comment from this person, what this person's comment said to me was that finally this this work I'm doing that I'm so passionate about that is really like my raison d'etre, why I do what I do, that I want to support queer voices, that I am a gay activist, a queer activist, that I'm willing to put myself on the line, that I'm willing to be judged, that I'm willing to take risks, that I'm willing to make mistakes for the betterment of LGBTQ equality. I thought, and why I broke down was because, wow, somebody recognizes what I'm doing. And that was heartfelt. It made me feel so good that I was, I felt like I was getting somewhere because not everyone will pay you a compliment. I don't know if the statistics are right, but I've read this stuff years ago that it's about one person in seven that might say, Hey, Darren, you're doing a really great job. Um, but Maybe I've got that statistic wrong, but the percentage of people that will tell you you're doing something wrong or they don't like you or complain about you is much greater. <clears throat> so when you're in the public eye, when you piss someone off, they are more likely to tell their friend who will tell their friend who will tell their friend. But when you do something with the best of intentions, not for recognition, but because it's most meaningful to you and you have an impact on other people, those people may feel that impact and may be appreciative of you, but they may not say anything. And that is in part the loneliness of leadership because you have to have faith in yourself that what you are doing is good. And those rare moments when someone props you up and says, thank you, or you have helped me, or you have made a difference in my life, or I look to you as a leader because, are, are rare. You know, I guess the more people you have following you, the more people will tell you. But it's also rare to get a very powerful explanation of how you are helping someone. So you have to believe in yourself so strongly. And this for me is the connection to a gay man's experience, having come out of the closet and either shying away from or embracing leadership almost to the level of narcissism in a way. So if you've, well, if you're gay, you've been in the closet for some period in some way, shape, or form. And whenever you came out, not 
having been able to fully identify as your most authentic self, I mean, all those parts of you, to be able to say, I like men, or to not have to worry about the tone of your voice or how you walk, or if you have particular mannerisms, or if you have particular mannerisms where somebody might say, that guy's a faggot, you know, if you had to worry about any of those things, if you had to conceal any of those things, or if you could not hide those things and you were judged, labeled, bashed, or verbally harassed, that puts you into, or at least makes you want to go hide, and hence the closet. And These are the experiences and the durations of adolescence and even young adulthood until you come out where, what are the best parts of you? What are your best characteristics? What are your passions? What are your desires that you may have left in the closet in order to fully come out? Some examples for me, and I've talked about these elsewhere, like when I was a teenager, I wanted to either go into gymnastics or be more like a contemporary dancer, but that was so gay and only faggots did that sort of thing. Well, it was in my 30s that I started to pursue personal training and be able to help people with their movement and their body and understanding their body. And that was for me. That was me uncloseting something that I couldn't do in my teenage years. But in my 30s, there was no way in hell I was going to become a fucking gymnast. I mean, could that even be possible? Now, I could have joined a club for people, you know, to learn gymnastics. I would have never been on the world stage because your body just becomes older and you just really physically probably can't do these things realistically on the world stage. So be be that as it may. And now, where am I in life exploring writing, coaching, being 100% gay all of the time with my Living Out podcast, with being the publisher of Think Queerly, with being the editor of the Gay Guide Network. For me, this is who I am and need to be at 52. You know, what would life be like for me? If I could have lived this from the very beginning, if at hitting puberty, I start, I knew that I was gay and everyone around me was like, hey, whatever. So you like boys. Well, let us tell you what to do with boys. Let us tell you about safer sex. Let us tell you the difference in two men relating together than, let's say, a man or a woman or two women together. Let us support you and love you and help you evolve into this young gay man that you want to become. And by the way, what's your passion? What do you want to do? Without judgment of how that kind of characteristic or expression may come out. So, you know, as I'm talking, sometimes I think I have voices in my head, but we all have voices in our head, and I'm just being silly and facetious here. When I'm delivering, when I'm talking, I'm always thinking about what I'm saying a few steps ahead, or as things come out of my mouth, I'm like, huh, what does that mean exactly? And I thought to myself, am I getting off topic about leadership? And I'm like, no. This this is leadership in the sense of what I'm doing right now about trying to help people think differently 
about how they can approach the world and how they can look inwardly to understand who they want to be and if they've left any parts of themselves or the best parts of themselves in the closet and what life would look like for them if they could bring those parts out so that they could be a leader. And let's not jump to conclusions about leaders only having to sort of look or appear in one way, because you can lead one or two people and still have an impact on the world. You can lead thousands or millions of people and not have an impact on the world. And when I say, well, impact is neutral, but you can be a leader and have a completely negative impact on the world that could be dangerous. Uh, I'm talking, you know who I'm talking about. Let's not say their names, steps of leadership and how that might apply to this experience I've had over the weekend, but also us as gay men. So for me, leadership is measured by the actions the leader takes after the fact. So something happened over the weekend where I was worried that something was going to happen with someone in particular who I do work with. And uh, this was a week and a half out, some heated discussion. And so I went ahead and took an action on the Saturday morning. And I'm being purposely vague because I don't want to draw attention and I don't want to draw lay blame on this person. I just want to try and use an example And I'm not setting myself up in any way to be better than this person. I'm talking from a very much from a self-reflection and personal growth perspective for myself as a way of hopefully leading you in situations if you've dealt if you've dealt with similar types of situations. So anyway, I did what needed to be done, expecting a reaction, hoping hoping that it wouldn't happen. So Saturday was a gorgeous day. It was the long weekend in Canada, the Canada Day long weekend. Went to the beach, had a wonderful time. Well, you know, that's not true. I was stressed the fuck out until about one o'clock and my partner was like, what the hell's wrong with you? And it took me a long time to come down and I didn't realize how unconsciously I was still processing the worry of a negative outcome. And then Sunday morning, we got up, did our thing, and I tried to wait as long as possible to check online to see what may or may not have happened. And then the worst case scenario presented itself. I felt my heart rate go up to max. I I, I literally thought I, I couldn't breathe for a moment. I was so upset. And I got onto a communication channel to speak with this person. And I was very direct. And I was respectful as I could be. And I said, that's it. We're done. And I made it clear that there was going to be no discussion uh, because of what had happened was disrespectful. And the, the, the personal attack this person made on another was unconscionable. And, you know, on one level, I understand. Because I'm similar And I think this is an aspect of of, of leadership that shows personality. And when I say this, I mean for for anyone, 
we always attract people who are similar to us as friends or people who follow us if we are in a position of being a so-called leader. We also are attracted to people that have qualities that we think we might not have or that we think we're not very good at, but we want to emulate. And we're following other leaders in that regard, right? So I believe, excuse me, (coughs) excuse me, I believe that I have a lot of empathy and it's something that's growing in me. And I will take this as a truth for myself because other people have told me explicitly that I do and how they appreciate it. And they've given me examples of how I've shown or expressed empathy for them. And so taking this cue from other people, I can say, okay, I do have empathy. But if we look at just some of the basics of Jungian psychology, where he talked about the shadow self, what are our positive qualities or characteristics have a negative side. So the very negative side of empathy is judgment or condemnation. And boy, up until my early 30s, I had no patience. I was a fucking angry son of a bitch. And I just lost my temper all of the time. Even last year, uh, I had a big blowout with my mother, which was awful. Um, the context led up to it. It's not an excuse. I really wish I had have handled things differently, but there was a lot of emotion, a lot of history and a lot of unsaid things that came out of that and it hurt me and it hurt her, but that makes me recognize when I see the same kind of anger in other people. The easiest way for me to handle it is to go into empathy. And because the two are on the same spectrum, like the extreme end of the negative and the extreme end of the positive, empathy, and the negative being the condemnation or the attack or the judgment, This is what happens in a lot of queer politics and organizations. There's a lot of infighting and everybody's trying to get their own word an inch wise. Everyone's trying to fight for their lesbian rights or their trans rights or their bi rights. And part of the problem of of queer organizations, and I say just queer as an umbrella, is that there are so many different identities and people are trying to vie for themselves. There is no leader in the queer community. There is no leader in the bisex or in the lesbian or in the gay or in the trans community. There can't be, because our identities, we are understanding, are so much greater, so much more fluid, so much more um, non-binary, left, right, masculine, feminine, male, female, than we ever once thought. It's always been there, but this language and this understanding is changing so much. So, What we find morally objectionable in someone else's behavior is often a weakness in ourselves, right? When you think, God, how can that person do that? When I catch myself doing that, I usually, if I hear myself, I go silent and I go inward and I'm like, Darren, you're a fucking hypocrite. You've done this too. And you know you've done this and you have to think this one through, How do you better handle this situation? 
How do you move forward as a leader in this moment to rectify this situation, to support not only uh, the, the person that you're having to, let's say, discipline, uh, but then the person who has been attacked or wrongly accused of something? You know, coming back to this personal situation of having to deal with this individual, um, it's been very difficult. Because I know who I am and where I've come from. I know, oh my gosh, I just remembered something. I used to belong to Business Network International um, in my mid-30s when I was launching my personal training business. And if you don't know what that is, it's like a weekly networking meeting. People meet for breakfast at 7 a.m. and you're done, I think, at 8.30 a.m. And I think it's no more than 20 people or something like that. Like that. But it, basically, there's only one person per category. So there might be a realtor, uh, there might be a personal trainer, there might be a chiropractor, that sort of thing. And the idea is to help share referrals and to build this uh, close uh, network. And there was a, a life coach there who I did some work with. And I had a lot of attitude at that time. I think this wasn't quite... I think this was a little bit before I had really discovered personal development and I had a really big personal growth breakthrough. Well, after the meeting, Barbara and I, I remember walking outside and it was mild summer weather and I was getting my bike and I was talking to her and her physical posture was very off standish and something was wrong. And she just laid into me without me asking, um, She started with, you know, I have to tell you something. And she told me about my behavior and how I had spoken to someone and how other people in the group perceive me and how this is going to fuck up my chances of building my business if I don't smarten up and pay attention and be aware and be more empathetic to other individuals. That is not just about Darren. So I know... I know, and I sometimes feel so much guilt about A, the things I've done, or B, when I have to be the leader and make a choice and say to someone, you're out, I can't work with you anymore because this is too toxic, this is too negative, and it doesn't help my cause, and it actually doesn't help yours. And, you know, when I declare this weakness on part of myself, I recognize that I have to be even more mindful of this shadow aspect of my character because now more people who know this are going to pay more attention to aspects of me. And if they see me at my worst, that could diminish how they see me as a leader. So I'm wanting to try and wrap this up and say, you know, leading others starts with how you lead yourself. So if you're still hiding the best parts of yourself in the closet, if you're still not exploring the best parts of who you are, dreams that you've had, things that you've wanted to pursue, you're not being your best self. You're not being your best potential. And that's not wrong, but it's limiting. We only get one fucking life, man. I've just been realizing this over the last weekend, things that I really want in life. And it's not so much physical things. There are some comfort things I'd love to have in my apartment and some more vacations I want to take, but it's about quality of life. 
and things that I need to do in my life to experience that. And I feel like I'm confronting more of my fears and taking more risks and doing these things, which means leading myself. And then other people start to see that. Other people start to see that in different ways, whether it's how I write another article and I just come up with more great sound bites, let's just call them that for lack of a better word, or more people highlight a section of the article because I've, I've said something that actually is more profound because I've understood more of myself. Or for me, starting this podcast, finally being able to share you know, these deeper thoughts about how we can live out the best of who we are. So set a standard for yourself about the kind of person you want to be, and then keep raising the bar. And know that when it comes to leadership of any kind, there's a big difference between compromise and when someone crosses the line of no return. We have to know what the limits to our compromise are. And that doesn't mean when you compromise once or twice that some situation may not occur in the future. That's a point of no return. So I'm going to wrap with something I wrote, which is this. To enforce a standard or to introduce a new one, the leader must hold themselves up to that same or even higher standard. In that upholding is the solitary and lonely act of believing you are doing your best as a leader, not simply the right thing. Now for me, that's a really big distinction because sometimes we have to do the right thing and that's a position of personal judgment But by doing your best as a leader means that sometimes you have to make these really difficult decisions that may even feel wrong, or they may not really be something you can decide is right or wrong. You just know it's the best decision. And it's something that you sometimes have to live with and something that can so fucking suck sometimes. But it's the best decision so that whatever you're managing, whatever you're leading, whatever you're creating can continue to evolve more freely and more easily. So that's this week's podcast. I hope that's given you some food for thought. I would invite you to rate this podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you've got a comment, just make sure you click on the link for the, um, the episode post on my blog. And that's a place where you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And if you want to go a little deeper and discover how to live out the best of who you are, I would invite you to book a Living Out Discovery call with me by going over to darrensteel.com. And that's spelled D-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-E-H-L-E.com. And click on the Work With Me option in the menu. Until next week, live out and live proud.